Greetings and salutations. Is that how I started last episode? I think you did. All right. Greetings let's, and salutations. Let's take that from the top. Hello, listeners. <laughs> Welcome to episode 69 of the Masterclass. My name is Cam, and I am joined by the one and only Mr. David Hogue. Yes. There are actually many of us out there, but... Not in my world, Dave. Not in your world. Um, yes. In my bubble, you were the only, the only Dave Hogue I know. And I've never met. okay with me. I've never met another Dave Hogue, but would I just, you punch him if you did? No. Oh, okay. No. I feel extremely threatened if I met another Cam Brennan. <laughs> Don't you take over my life? Uh, I will. I I do have the first link that we're gonna have to put in the show notes. Okay. And that is a little skit by, uh, was it Kids in the Hall? The TV show. Yeah. Yeah, Kids in the Hall. And they have a song called "These Are the Daves I Know." Okay, these are the Daves I know. That's and it's, weird. It's quite catchy. And it came out when I was in college. And so my roommates would walk around singing, These are the Daves I know. <laughs> and I was the only Dave they knew. Believe it. Really? Or not. At, yep. a, at a school that big? Uh in the group our our little our house, our group oh, okay. of guys, yeah. Surely there's at least one other Dave. So yes. Yeah, much of my life I was David H. in in elementary school. <laughs> yes, David H. Would you like to answer David the question? <laughs> so anyway, yeah, we are here, and we have follow up, which is exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mentioned it last episode, and I actually did what I said I was going to do. I actually listened to the podcast that or the sermon that uh, my buddy Justin uh, sent me. It's a Timothy Keller sermon, and um, full disclosure, I really like Tim Keller. I've read most of his books, and I just think he's a wonderful, wonderful, smart pastor. And he's in New York City, and I'm extremely jealous. So that's that's part of it too. But anyways, so the ser- uh, the sermon was called "Hope, Race, and Power," and the description from the website reads thusly: Racial and cultural differences exist. They cannot be resolved by simply embracing broad-mindedness, but by adjusting our lives and forming deep relationships with people from whom we are different. These relationships will enable us to finally view all aspects of God's glory. As I was listening to this, Dave, I was just thinking in my head, yes, that's correct. Yes, that's correct. Ooh, that was a funny joke, but yes, that's also correct. And and not just like factually correct, but contextually and culturally correct. He is... Tim Keller is very good at observing culture and what society values and is teaching and then comparing and contrasting that with the gospel. And he's, he's, it's one of the things that make him so good at what he does that he is very, very culturally aware and culturally sensitive, but he's also, uh, very, very centered on God and the gospel and, and how those things uh, interact. And so I was shocked. I mean, ab- I laughed out loud when I read what year or what the <laughs> date was for the sermon. This sermon was from April 25th, 2004, which is over 12 years ago. And at no point during the sermon did I not think this was from like last month. Mm-hmm. It was still 12 years later, culturally relevant to what's happening now, which says a number of things. One, that Tim Keller really is good at reading 
culture and delivering mm-hmm. a truth or message, but also that we are no place better than we were 12 years ago as far as uh, embracing difference, as far as embracing diversity, uh, as far as being willing to accept other uh, ideas or concepts as legitimate. And, you know, this is obviously only fueled by the, you know, the outbreaks of, of shooting and protests and, um, yeah, just the, the clear message from certain people in the world that if you're different than me, I'm willing to kill you for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, or at best margin or yeah. At worst, kill you. At best, marginalize you and make you feel like you're a piece of crap because you don't believe what I believe. And um, real quickly, I don't want to, I don't want to poorly relate the entire sermon, but I, I will do uh, one or two points. Um, one, he says that you know, uh, a lot of times in in culture, Christians are viewed as narrow-minded people because, um, well. Christianity is a an exclusive group, right? You either are or you aren't. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you are saved, you go to heaven. If you aren't saved, you don't. So there's this exclusivity. It's not inclusive, which I think is a very um, poor understanding of what the gospel is. Mm-hmm. The gospel is trying to be as inclusive as possible, but you you have to make that choice. But anyways, so um, he says in um, a far better way than than I'm about to say that. Uh, we see the opposite of narrow-mindedness as broad-mindedness of, oh, your truth is, is, tr- is you know, relative and you do you and I'll do me. Um, but when my, you know, Christianity butts up against your relativism, all of a sudden your broad-mindedness still rejects me and my narrow-mindedness. And so he said it in, in some respects being in that term broad-minded of of accepting of other things except for one is almost worse in just pure math really than saying no this is the one truth all of this is right except for you uh is is the problem and so he he explains why broad-mindedness and narrow-minded aren't really great terms and how they you know can kind of push you in a direction. Um, but then he shares another story. It's, uh, CS Lewis, uh, Tolkien. And I forget who the third guy was. And I feel really bad about that. Cause he was probably somebody really important and intelligent too. Um, but that when one of the three of them got together all the time and he says, you only really ever get to know people through other people. And so when one of the three died, he came to the realization that, the remaining friend, he was never going to see the aspects of that friend that the third friend brought out, uh, whether that be the good parts or the bad parts, right? And so one of the importances of relationship with different people and one of the importances of uh, living uh, a, in a diverse culture with people who are different from you, who believe things that are different from you, who act differently from you, is that you get to see all the facets of a person personality. And if we apply that to God, we get to see the side of God that the, uh, you know, the poverty-stricken, charismatic churches in, in Africa or Asia 
uh, accentuate versus the, you know, the, the rigid evangelical suburban churches here in America. And so if we can be friends with liberal and conservative and black and white and rich and poor people, we can, we can begin to see more facets of the life that God has provided for us, and in doing so, more facets of his personality and his characteristics. It's just really, really, really solid stuff. Um, we'll have a link in the show notes to the sermon. It's free to stream on the website, or you can download it so you can listen to it on your phone whenever you want, um, or your computer while you're at work. But definitely, um, at least for me, highly recommended. So thank you to Justin for sending me that sermon. Um, yeah, I really appreciate it. It was really good. Um, there is a book called Street God, and we'll put this in the show notes as well. And the pastor, well, the author of Street God is a guy named Demos Salabarios, and I probably totally butchered his name. Um, it is a wonderful book. Uh, well, he's the pastor of Infinity Bible Church, um, which he has in South Bronx. And uh, Demos was a, when it refers to street god, he was a, a drug dealer. And um, interestingly enough, he is a church planner of Timothy Keller. City and, to city. Huh? City to city. And, there, yeah, they're doing so much good stuff. And uh, so not only does he preach it or have a message about those kinds of things, but he lives it out, which I think a lot of people think they do that. But I think there's a lot more words than there is actual action. And so um, I have not been a Timothy Keller fan as long as Cam has been. But everything that I pick up from him or anything that I see just connected with him, I'm just I'm just dumbfounded by the just his wisdom. And he's obviously a man that seeks after God and prays and studies the word and understands things very in depthly. And um I think it's Romans for you is the one I'm listening to right now, the first seven chapters of Romans, and it's definitely one of those kind of like, uh, we haven't mentioned him in a while, Dallas Willard. I'm going to have to re-listen to it, re-read it, re-digest it. Uh, but yeah, highly recommend Timothy Keller and uh, Demos Celebrarius' book, Street God, because it really, uh, he gives his testimony in there and how he came to be the pastor of a church. Um, and I don't know, it's much like our journey. Two steps forward, one step back, one step forward, three steps back. Uh, I think, I can't I can't remember if I mentioned it on the show or not, but definitely even had experiences where um, he got in with bad theology in bad churches. And in the midst of that, God spoke to him and really revealed himself to him and uh, became clear to him that he was not where he was supposed to be and eventually ended up with... Uh, Timothy Keller. So, yeah, good stuff all around. Agreed. All right. Any other thoughts before we dive into our main topic for this 
fine episode? Um, just uh, would challenge people to consider a perspective that is not their own. And I think I've said that before, maybe not at this point of the show, but research, learn about something that you don't know about. It might even be the antithesis of who you think you are or what you hold to be true. And when it's all said and done, if you still disagree with it, great. You're that much wiser because you know why you disagree with it. Yeah. Ignorance is a, uh, an interesting thing. And when I say that, I'm pointing one finger at you and three back at myself. So, <laughs> how, how do you even two hands? That's impossible oh. to do with one hand. Oh, you're pointing you're pointing a handgun at me, Dave. Yes. Not not a a gun made out of <laughs> a finger gun. Yeah, a gun made out of his actual hand. Not so there's his, one at pointing. His you work firearm is is not. It's holstered in sight. next to my bed. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> No, I was just going to say that uh, ignorance has this way of um, protecting itself. It sort of puffs up your um, estimation of yourself and lowers your estimation of what you don't know. And um, that's, you know, much like sin in that regard, it does a really good job of disguising uh, the truth of the matter. And so I would agree with Dave very much that even if you wind up still holding your belief on a certain subject, it is it is valuable and fruitful to understand the other views on the matter. Because then, as Dave said, and I just feel like I'm repeating you now, so I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> not trying to steal your thunder, I promise. It's just greater understanding can only lead to better outcomes. Yes. The other thing I'm wondering as I'm sitting here, as I'm wondering what was going on in April of 2004, because I have this sense of, I was about to graduate high school. Oh gosh. <laughs> I have this sense that I don't know why, but I feel like we're, we were still maybe in this, it might have, might have been coming to an end, but I felt like we we're kind of still in this honeymoon phase uh, of after 9-11. Yes, two and a half years of, after. Of people still feeling good about being an American and helping each other out. And there wasn't... Like, so for him to present that message, even in a time when maybe the everyday interaction of, of folks was pleasant and cordial, for the most part, I was going to say that was Bush's sec- running for his second term then. So I'm trying to remember. Is that what would have been against John Kerry the second time? Yes. I don't really remember a whole lot about that. We, uh, <laughs> total uh, tangent here. There was a jib jab cartoon based on, uh, this land is your land between Bush and John Kerry. That to this day, like you start playing it, and my daughters can sing the words to the stupid song. Like we listen to it was over and Heinz over. Was Heinz Ketchup referred to at all? Uh, no. the The tagline was, "Uh, he won the Purple Heart thrice." It was kind of the John Kerry 
won the Purple Heart thrice. No, I know what it was. I'm a, I'm a, uh, I'm a right wing nut job, and you're a left wing commie, pinky commie, or something like that. Interesting. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, I, 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 I totally, t- total tangent, but I guess I just have a sense that 12 years ago there wasn't the turmoil that maybe we're dealing with in 2016. And I'm well again fascinated that Timothy Keller can. No, because I remember that was when Bush was was really, like going after Saddam Hussein, right? Go and then after that it was Osama. Like there was this sort of crusade to show the world that you will not, you know, to borrow a phrase from the Marines, tread on us. Mm-hmm. Like you did. I mean, that was that was I think. Maybe not the height of the war on terror, which is still going, I guess. But it was but people were still like we were on board. Ramp- with it. Oh yeah, patriotism everywhere, ramping up. Like let's get all of you know the entire Middle East. Let's just turn it in, turn the whole thing into a parking lot because that's how we solve problems. But yeah, I, I think that Keller was um, obviously completely in hindsight and not really having uh, the the timeline exact here. Um, so speaking loosely. I think he was onto a trend that he was seeing, especially living in New York and mm-hmm. being there yeah. when yeah. all and, and and speaking to people who live and breathe everyday New York City. Mm-hmm. That I have to imagine it was different there than it was for me in Detroit and for you here. Absolutely. Or were you in? Were you elsewhere in two thousand four? No, I was, you were back. Yep, we lived in. We lived in Gardner and. I worked in Lawrence. You've given away the location of our secret lair, Dave. <laughs> All right. Shall we? Sure. Or are you researching something else? You're looking intently at your laptop. Uh, no. Better not be the White Sox, Dave. Don't, no. Don't cheat on me with those White Sox. <laughs> Condoleezza Rice was testifying before the 9-11 Commission. In April of 2004. I forgot about her. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, uh, interestingly enough, there's, <laughs> there were terrorist attacks in Madrid. So, yeah, it's always been, it's, the good old days. Friends was in its 10th and final season. Friends was still on TV in 2004? Mm-hmm. Final episode of Frasier. Oh, my. This, now we are really, we are licking the bottom of the barrel here, Dave. Here you go. The there was a Detroit. massacre of 630 nomad Muslims by Christians in Nigeria. Oh, hey, guess what? We do stupid stuff, too. <laughs> Um, the Pistons also won the Did they? NBA championship last year. That year, yeah. And uh Boston went on to world win the World Series that year. Was that the year that they came back and that was the year that the Yankees? Yeah. I literally remember sitting in the report writing room at work and saying to my boss, Yeah, it's over. Yankees are gonna win. And he was like, It ain't over to the Fed. You know what sings. you know and, what I said? It this was after game six of the series. I was like, if the Red Sox win Game Seven, 
they are going to sweep the World Series. <laughs> and they did. Yeah, they And did. I didn't bet a single penny on it because I was 17. And who did they, who was the National League team that they played? I want to say, like, I want to say Diamondbacks. I don't know. But that's probably not right. I remember them coming back against the Yankees, but I don't remember who the National League team was. I'm going to look it up real quick. All right. This is, we are like so far from <laughs> uh, Manny Ramirez. St. Louis Cardinals. Oh, even better. Um, actually, I like the Cardinals. Ew. Yeah. Not allowed. Well, they hate the Cubs as well. <laughs> Yeah, well, and Tony Larusa ended up being their manager. I like Tony Larusa. Guess who the Tigers lost to in the 2006 World Series? <laughs> the Cardinals. <laughs> That's why I don't like them. Yeah, and Tony Larusa was the manager, wasn't he? All right, the Bible, the Bible. So, oh, real time follow up. Hold on. I just got a breaking news report. Is this a gold medal? This is this is Olympic news. So if you don't want to hear what I'm about to say, it's Olympic swimming news. Fast forward 30 seconds. Ready, set, fast forward. U.S. team, including Michael Phelps and Ryan Lochte, wins gold medal in the 4x200-meter freestyle relay oh, at wow. the Olympics. Boom. That so that's like his 23rd. It's his 25th overall, and it's his 22nd gold medal. Gosh. Dear Fast Forward listener, you have arrived and missed all the uh, spoilers. All right. I will not mention it again. You want to read it tonight? or? Oh, yeah, sure. Let me get that pulled up. I, was, I wasn't prepared, Dave. <laughs> A little payback. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, passage for this episode is Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 through 28. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee. How's that for a title? Do you think she ever introduced herself that way? Hi, I'm what, the mother of the Sons of Zebedee. They also went by Sons of Thunder. Which is an which awesome name. I've always like if I was, was ever if I was ever a pro wrestling tag team, I'd probably go Sons of Thunder. See, I always thought like a motorcycle gang would be Sons of Thunder. Oh yeah, because you get the we're the worst, <laughs> Dave. We can't stay on topic for five seconds. Anyways, all right. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to him, being Jesus, uh, with her sons, and kneeling before him, she asked him for something. And he said to her, what do you want? She said to him, say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your kingdom. And Jesus answered, you do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? They said to him, we are able. He said to them, you will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my father. And when the 10 heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. It's my favorite part. Uh, <laughs> but Jesus called to him or called them to him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but who would e- Whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Yes. So, there we have it. Yes. And first of all, oh, sorry. No, no you're good. You, no. You. Well, I just was going to say. 
the sons of Zebedee are James and John. Yes. And I think this is correct. John was like, I mean, he was kind of already in terms of what Jesus was doing here on earth, kind of the right-hand man as it was. And so then James, in this particular case, is John's brother. James, right. Not Jesus' brother, James. Jesus had a brother that was also named James. And he's the one that wrote the epistle of James. Yes. And do they refer to him as like John the Minor and John the Major or John the Lesser? And I don't know. That doesn't even matter. No, that would be Wayne Gretzky's the great one, and his younger <laughs> brother was the good one. Gotcha. Um, so anyway, James and John, these are guys that are pretty tight with Jesus. Yeah, no, they are, they are certainly, um, and I'm trying to remember who are the ones that he took up on the Mount of Transfiguration. Was that these two and Peter? Well, I would have said it was Peter and John. Okay, I can't remember. I could be wrong. Uh, Anyways, uh, why why is their mom there? These are grown men. Yes. I'd be like, Mom, not in front of my <laughs> friends. Jeez. Come on, Mom. You're Seriously. Oh, you're the worst. <laughs> but, like, I get it. She, she wants her kids to do well for themselves. Yes. But it is clear, at least to me, that none of them get it yet. No, this like, is definitely a perspective of any of an earthly kingdom. Yeah, political takeover. Yeah. Which is what the Jews at this time had always thought. That's why the Maccabean Revolution happened. That is why when he enters Jerusalem, they're all laying down their uh, you know, Palm. stuff, palms and coats for his donkey to walk on. Um, because they think he's there to overthrow the government. Which is one of the reasons why the Pharisees tried to get him with the, uh, you know, oh, this coin has Caesar's face. You know, give Caesar what is Caesar's, give to God what. It, like they're trying to get him to be political, and he's doing everything he can not to be. And so this is certainly a mother coming in, assuming that imminently things are going to change, and she wants her boys, for whatever reason, to be right there for the whole world to see. And I don't know if that's just the mom wanting what is she thinks is best for her kids or if she's conniving or, or what, but I just think it's hysterical that this mother gets involved in her grown children's business this way in front of all of, you know, their tightest friends. Yes. That is funny to me. I would absolutely agree. So anyways, uh, she asked that one is at the right hand, one is at the left hand. That's a big deal, apparently. Sure. I don't know. I feel like if I was a king, I wouldn't want anyone sitting next to me. Ew. I wouldn't be up there all by my lonesome, ruling authoritatively from my throne <laughs> with an awesome scepter. But that, that's why I'm not. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Jesus' Jesus's response uh, you don't know what you're asking. I think is great. Because mm. he's kind of, I mean, he's, Jesus is a blunt guy. If like, if you, if you read through his stuff, he's loving, he's caring, he is righteous, he defends the truth. But a lot of times he's just blunt. He just says it the way it is. And how refreshing is that? Like, I don't think he was like, oh, you're an idiot. You don't even know what you're asking. I think he's just like, listen, you, you don't understand. 
I, I think you can deliver that news without being a prick. You know what I mean? And personally, I wish I had the ability to be blunt and not also be a jerk at the same time. So does Donald Trump. <laughs> I really don't think he wants I think he no, likes Yeah, he, he probably does. Why did you bring God, Dave? <laughs> <sighs> well, and, and I'll, I guess I'll rephrase that. I think that's what. Did you, did you honestly people... just compare Jesus to Donald Trump? No. Oh, you compared him to me. That's even worse. <laughs> I, I think it's I think it's what people are clamoring for this day. I think people are sick of political the, yeah. political correctness and and you know saying what needs to be said and towing the line. I think they're looking for somebody that that um will speak well th- that will speak the truth and will speak it like you said in a way that is heard by many and is hard to deny and. Yeah, and it and it comes back to the whole, uh, you know, speak the truth in love thing that you hear thrown around so much. And I often think that when someone's like, "Oh, speak the truth in love," it means that you have to be really nice and you got to compliment them nineteen times just so you can say, "Stop doing this." Like, have you ever worked with those people? Where... I think I'm one of those people. Oh, really? Probably. Oh, see, in the <laughs> workplace, really? I would assume you've been like, "Hey, get your crap together, fix this." You know. Not because you're you're not a mean guy, but uh, you just don't really have patience for BS, which is one of the many things I like about you. Because <laughs> we are the same that way. Just don't have just don't have time for it. Um, but the the idea that speaking the truth in love can be you don't understand. It doesn't have to be. Oh, I know you're having a rough day, and I know that this happened. Yeah, but, I don't but, do that. Like, but my experience. Like the term has become, I get what you're saying. A carefrontation. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with confrontation. It's not a negative. Confrontation is good. Yeah, it's not negative. There's no negative. No, there's an issue. Let's talk about it openly. Let's discuss it like adults, and then let's move on. So the fact I just I hate to I feel like I'm repeating myself, but it just to me it's so important. You know, and Jesus says, "Let your yes be your yes, and your no be just say what you mean." And get to the bottom of whatever the issue is so that you can have an intelligent, you know, civil conversation. You don't see them arguing. He says, you don't understand. Let me explain it to you. It is not for me to decide who's at my right and left hand. It's up to whoever God has uh, ordained for those positions. Thank you for asking. Here's the (laughs) truth. Let's move on. Yeah. It's just, it's so refreshing. You know, I don't think he was worried about hurting her feelings, even though the answer he gave her is not what she wanted. But he also wasn't just like, and blew her off. No, and here's why. Feel free to, you know, disagree with what God has ordained, <laughs> but it doesn't really matter because it is what God has ordained. Yeah. <sighs> I got to figure out a way to twist that into... My wife choosing better names for our soon-to-be-born daughter. <laughs> the Bible says that I get to do what I want, and you don't. That's oh no, <laughs> no, not not at all. I'm not. That was a that was a poor joke. <laughs> I'm not gonna do that, and that's not what anyone should do. Don't twist Jesus' words. Yes, this is true. So, yeah, I, I 
I'm fascinated by the whole, are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? We are able. You just and then it goes, it goes from mom making the request to, okay, now sons are definitely involved. I mean, there's an element of, oh, yeah. like, you know, he, she's making the request, but when he asks a question, they're like, yes, we can do that. Yeah, I, I almost see like he, he gives her the answer, and it's like, you don't know what you're asking. Or no, he, t- he tells her, and then he turns to them, and he's like, you two are involved in this too. You don't know what you're asking. Mm-hmm. Are you able to do this? And yes, we are able. Like I almost feel like they probably like high five each other, or, yeah. you know, pump their chests. And again, their their perspective is sure we can rule the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it'll you be do ju- all, it'll be just all like the hard work, counsel. and I'll be on the left seat, and he'll be on the right seat, and looking good, eating we'll some grapes, time. drinking some wine. Yes. Yeah. But then I, I also love his response too. Oh, you will drink my cup. <laughs> you don't know what that is yet, and you don't know what that means. But yes, yes, you will. Um, but oh, so I skipped ahead. Okay, no, you're good. No, I I didn't. Re- I I in my mind the uh, to sit at the right hand of my throne is not for me to grant. I thought that was higher up in the verse, mm. so I was wrong in that. So yeah. She asked a question. He addresses the sons first and then tells the truth of why it's not up to him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so he, he definitely knows what's going on. He definitely calls James and John out on it, which, again, is Jesus getting to the truth and to the crux of the matter. And now I wonder, did they put their mother up to this? Like, dude, we, we want to, like, be at the top, but... But if we ask for it, he's not going to, you know, all this last must be for, if, what if we get Ma, what if we get someone else to do it? Then we'll look like, oh, us? No, we couldn't. Okay, sure. Am I totally Well, I think the fact that they are, off base. the fact that they are the sons of Zebedee, haven't researched this a whole lot, clearly Zebedee is somebody. And if you're married to Zebedee, you're probably somebody as well. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking it's not just, Hey, let's get mom to do it. But mom's got some clout. I mean, uh, (laughs) as if Jesus gives a rat's behind what about clout. Yeah. So I guess rat's behind there's definitely conspiracy going on in terms of, I don't believe this is an impromptu conversation. Not at all. This is very much a, hey, we're going to hit him up. This Things are starting to go the direction that we think they're supposed to go, and this would be a good time. They were aspiring political mm-hmm. uh, strategists. Yep. And, you know, it. it um, one of the things that just stands out to me with this verse is, you know, from the get-go, um, why did people follow Jesus? And I, I wonder if any of us, when we make that decision, decision to follow Jesus, really, well, I don't think we know what we're getting ourselves into, but I definitely think there's this perspective of being like the sons of Zebedee in that what, what's in it for me? What am I going to get out of it? And I think that is a, a central transformation that needs to happen for all of us in following Jesus, there is very much a place for, I am accepting Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I want to be saved from my sins. I want to go to heaven. I want to avoid hell. 
I, I absolutely believe that that is appropriate. But I think we need to have all have this trans transformation of going from, hmm, this isn't so much about what I'm going to get out of the deal. This there's there's a life transformation here. There's uh, a dying to self, putting Christ first, living life for Him, and then just ultimately that realization of, yeah, I'm I'm pretty much worthless. Uh, <laughs> I, I I add nothing to this equation. I'm completely dependent on Him. And um, for uh, James and John, uh, as Jesus mentioned, that's that says, "You will drink my cup." And James and John uh, were both martyred for their faith. And uh, while Christ was a, a perfect human being that died on the cross, James and John weren't that, but they certainly died for their faith. And I, 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 my understanding is that's what they're talking about here in terms of drinking the cup of of giving your life over. Absolutely. So. Yeah. And then uh, for my favorite part of the passage for pure comedic purposes and not for anything of, <laughs> well, there is some substance here, but it is, oh, there is, it's but... one of those sentences that like Matthew didn't have to include like without this passage, this still would have the same effect. But uh, when the other 10 heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. Like, look at these. I, can you? Oh, my. What morons? Like, how dare they try and step over me to get, you know, up the mm-hmm. ladder? Just you can only imagine. It's like an episode of The Bachelorette or something. You know, I can't believe that he stole my date. <laughs> All that stuff. Uh, yeah, I think it's hysterical. Like, it's a totally like humanizing sentence. Mm-hmm. These were just dudes. That clearly didn't get it, that were clearly imperfect, but still saw something in Jesus enough to hang around. But yeah, of course the other 10 were pissed. They just asked for the keys to the kingdom, essentially. And now I'm getting it stuck being in charge of all the gutters because this guy's, you know, master of coin, and this guy is. <laughs> I just think it's funny. But it, it goes to show you that these two we're not the only flawed disciples, right? There's right. some jealousy yep. and some bitterness and just some, some human mess going on. And, you know, like, I feel like in my uh, estimation of the disciples, I go from, man, they were such idiots to, wow, they were so awesome. Like just depending on the story, I, you, but it's just, I never really think like these were just guys, like they were fishermen. They were just mm. normal people. And, yeah, I think it's it's a very telling sentence about how, you know, our human mess can, even in the midst of, a, you know, one like Jesus, can still rise to the top really fast mm-hmm. and try and, and mess up what's going on. But... Moving on. Yeah. I I have mentioned Jesus Christ Superstar before. And there is a um I don't know if I'm gonna be able to find this long quick enough, but there's basically a verse in one of the songs that talks about uh when we retire, we'll write the gospel and they'll all talk about us when we're dead. And 
it's to me it's such a tongue in cheek sort of uh um yeah m- much of what you're talking about hindsight being 2020 sure somebody would aspire to be an apostle or a disciple but the reality is in the midst of that and all that's going on think of the absurdity of uh we're choosing to follow who we believe to to be the messiah and when we retire, we'll write the gospel so they'll all talk about us when we're dead. <laughs> yeah. So, and that's an Andrew Lloyd Webber musical, uh, yeah. Musical. Rock a, opera. Ro- Ooh. So it's uh, Last Supper lyrics. Last Supper? Last Supper lyrics. All right. I don't know. Again, another tangent, but it just. I must say I enjoy the I enjoy um, both that and the Joseph. Go 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 Joseph, you know what they say. <laughs> I was in that musical when I was in middle school. Were you really? Nope. I take that back. I was in Bye Bye Birdie. The, 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 <laughs> I could see that Joseph uh No, Conrad. the year the year after that was Uh-oh. Joseph and I was like, you in know high school. I was like choral member number seventeen or something like that. Because I can't sing, and I, I'm better now, but I certainly couldn't sing when I was in middle school. It was like the you try everything in middle school to see what sticks, and musicals did not stick. Yes, at yeah. least for me. In your house, on the other hand, well, I mean, my children. Your dog's name is Hamilton. <laughs> so, so it says, always hope that I'd be an impossible. Knew that I would make it if I tried. Then when we retire, we can write the gospel, so they'll all talk about us when we've died. <laughs> And again, I it's Andrew Lloyd Webber, and it's it's very tongue in cheek, but God, just that the human perspective of being successful and giving up my effort and finally arriving, and man, what the cross really means and what it mean meant for them to drink of the cup and to live the lives that they did, and um, wow, I it just it's just cool to me that the truth of God comes through. Even when Andrew Lloyd Webber is the well, he was the composer. Yes, Tim, well, Rice, Tim, Tim Rice Tim, was the lyricist. Yeah, we yeah. should give him some. Uh, that's you some are correct. Props. And yeah. I only know that because I just looked at the Wikipedia article, not because I knew that. Well, he's ago. they pretty much did they did all the stuff together, right? Oh, they're I'm, kind of a dude talking to the wrong person. <laughs> go go get your daughter. She'll yeah, go get Caroline. So all right, moving on. Uh yes, moving on. So we're in verse twenty-five now. Uh, Jesus called to the, uh, called, wow. Jesus called them to him and said, uh, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. Okay. So we're establishing commonality here. Mm-hmm. You guys understand how the political situation is. We all know who's in charge and they all make sure that we know that they're in charge. Roman empire. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I I'm like yeah the rulers are the Gentiles so I'm guessing I'm a, Roman yeah I truly don't know but those, that's what I those, envision yes, those folks uh, it shall not be so among you like we are different right he hasn't said we're not political yet but he's saying you guys know how they do things that is not how we're gonna do it but whoever would be great among you whoever wants to sit at the left and the right hand 
must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as I, the Son of Man, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So he is saying, this is how the authority structure is here. We're not going to do this. If you want to be in charge, you must serve. You must put others ahead of you and before you and above you, just like I'm doing right now when I've come to earth not to be served, but to serve. And, oh, by the way, to pay the price for the sin for the entirety of mankind. That's my cup. Drink it up. Here's a crazy straw. (laughs) I just, I mean, I get that he's God and I get that he knows more than I could ever even imagine there is to know. But even even considering that, these moments, how do you not just be like... Mm. Yeah. Like, he diffuses... I mean, I'm assuming he diffuses the situation because this is, you know, we just move on in, in the scripture, but he takes a potentially volatile situation amongst his followers, he diffuses it, he explains the situation, and then he says, and by the way... This is not how we're going to do like something new and completely different is coming and I'm the one ushering it in and this is how I'm going to do it and you are all going to drink this cup with me. It's just it's so so good. Like here's the problem and he just redirects all of them to the truth. The problem is is no longer a thing anymore because the truth is far more important and far more um substantial than this petty little issue of what they didn't even understand. Yeah. And I mean, just the reality of, I'm telling you, the son of man came not to serve or not to be served, but to serve and to give his life. I mean, it's just like, wow. If I could just keep that central to my life and my brain just day in and day out, the things that I get worked up about, it's like, oh, I'm embarrassed. How trivial, how silly, and how, oh, just so many things. When the Son of Man, um, God himself in flesh came. I mean, just, God, that is so mind-boggling, even as I'm just sitting here reading it, that the God of the universe came to earth not to be served, but to serve. It still just doesn't even make sense to me. So I'm right there with you, man. We should make T-shirts. <laughs> Speaking of which, new masterclass. T- no, actually, <laughs> I can't believe I just ruined that moment. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm such no. A, I it's it's no. All that good. was that was a that was a prime opportunity to not make a dumb joke, and I did it. That's all good. But yeah, no, I I I'm in all seriousness, am I'm right there with you. Yeah, I think that might be the big the big sticking point for this week's episode. That verse twenty Matthew twenty, twenty eight, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Yes. Because when I compare anything that I complain or whine about to that, 
It's like, oh boy. <laughs> My perspective is so wrong. And I'm right there with the sons of Zebedee going, hey, what's my slice? What's my piece here? <laughs> what does I what is what does I get out of this? So Yeah. All right. Well, if you guys wanna see the show notes, you can go to supermegacorp.net slash masterclass slash sixty-nine and we'll have all the links. And there's some good ones in there. This is this is not a weak show notes episode. There's lots of fun links in there. Um, but yeah, check out the, the Tim Keller sermon. Uh, check out the Street God book. Check out Redeemer City to City. They're doing just crazy awesome church planning stuff all over the um, the world, and they do incredible training, and it's all centered in, in urban centers and um, just really, really, really cool stuff. And then you can check out the Jesus Christ Superstar stuff too. <laughs> Uh, not as important, but definitely fun. Yes. Uh, if you want to get in touch, Dave is at 10.8HBO on Twitter. What are you listening to? Dude, we do not have copyright for this song. So inappropriate. Well, also, copyright law, Dave. We're going to get... Pulled it was less iTunes. than 15 seconds. Oh, fair use. Yeah, that, that does fall under fair use. We're fine. Uh, <laughs> if you want to get in touch with me, this is so weird. Uh, <laughs> if you want to get in touch with me uh, on Twitter, I'm at Cam Brennan. If you want to email us, it's hello at supermegacorp.net. And uh, I I think that, that brings us to the end of episode yes. 69. We'll, we'll uh, talk at you next time. Bye. Bye.